my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show. I am your host, Julie Turney, and it is my absolute pleasure to be here with you for another weekly episode as we magnify HR voices and demystify HR. So today with me, I have a very good friend who I met recently on LinkedIn, it's amazing how um, the LinkedIn community and especially in the HR space, super powerful. If you are not tapping into that community, I really want you to make a better effort to get to know our amazing people in HR. So today I am talking to Adesa Akojai. Did I say that right? Yes, almost right, but it's okay. Um, uh, even back in Nigeria, people would never really get the real pronunciation of my name, unless you're from my particular tribe, so uh-huh. it's fine. Okay, well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. And we're going to learn a lot today about building community again. So I would love for you to take some time to just tell our audience, who is Adesa? And what is your HR origin story? How did you get here? And what is your current position? So I'll start with my original um, HR story. So I studied um, industrial relations and personal management. So right from um, university, HR was my passion. Then I had a short stint as an intern with um, UPS back in Nigeria. Uh And while doing that, I knew I had a flair for people Mm -hmm. and I wanted to work with people. And I loved the people relationship. I loved the payroll. I loved the business relationship. I loved the fact that as an HR intern, the HR director for UPS at the time gave me a little bit of exposure and responsibility. Mm-hmm. She actually made me pay staff their salary at some point. Mm-hmm. And she actually put me on a project in terms of creating awareness for, I think it was HIV at the time. This is about ah. almost 20 years ago, just telling yeah. my age here. Wow. So from that little stint as an HR intern, I knew I wanted to pursue a career in HR. Mm-hmm. And once I graduated, I moved to the UK. Um, it was a little bit tricky navigating and the culture, the work ethics. I'd, I'd never really had a proper job. Right. And I knew I wanted to, not because my discipline was human resources, mm-hmm. but because I also wanted to pursue my passion. Because if when you do speak to some people, they could study psychology, study engineering, study business law, and they happen to find themselves in HR by accident. A lot of people I've met have some some people I've met happen to work in HR by accident it wasn't their career path yeah yeah I get that a lot Mm -hmm. yes so for me it was my career path I'm here so Uh I had my first uh, my first job I started I always tell people that I've come across that I really genuinely started from the bottom of the HR ladder and from the bottom of the chain I say as an, an intern 
administrator and currently working as a business partner for a multinational engineering firm. However, um, a couple of years ago, I was looking for my tribe. I was looking for a community of like minds. Um, we have the CIPD, which is right. a governing body of yes. the ASL, yeah. and they do network and they do everything I want. But I wanted to see more people that look like me, yeah. more yeah. people that experience some of the challenges that I had when I migrated to the UK. And I wanted to, I didn't want to experience that glass ceiling that everybody told me about. Yes. So, and having a conversation with a friend, she said, if you can't find it, why can't you be it? And to me, it was like, mm, BE, that's a lot of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And we had that conversation about me serving. Have always come from a background, family background of serving. Yes. My mom was the first of five. My dad is the first of 19. Wow. So, yes. <laughs> well, we're only three kids. So my yes. dad, even though my parents came from, come from big, family. Well, big families, they knew they wanted that small nuclear oh, family. Yes. Um, a family whereby they could definitely give the best education to and um, provide for. And I'm, I'm really sure if I look back, I'm sure my parents had to have a small farm because they knew they had all the additional responsibilities with their siblings. And just so we can't afford to have too many kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yes, so, um, um, so that's um, community of serving, community of looking after people, community uh-huh. of trying to do good, community of giving back. Right. So I had uh, a long think about it and I started Black Woman in HR. Yes. Yes. So I so Black Woman in HR, it was from me as, because I could have named it a lot of things. Right. But at the moment, I didn't even tell a lie. I didn't do any research what potential name I could call it but uh-huh. I just looked at myself and said I am I am a black woman in, in HR, HR which is unique in the United Kingdom mm-hmm. but it's not unique in Africa or other or the Caribbean or continents they have a lot of black women but yeah. I had I was a black woman in HR so that's how black women in HR Got was created yes and how long has black women in HR been in existence since 2019 um august august 2019 yeah and what is the main function of black women in HR so I, I know you're creating a sense of community and you mentioned CIPD which we are both members of and I must say um I think C- CIPD I really feel at home um, in terms of, I love the knowledge that they share. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the accessibility through the chats and so on. But to your point, um, I, it's the one sticking point that always sits with me that every time I go to a CIPD conference, I never see people like me speaking. Never. Other than the last time I went to a CIPD conference, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen it just means every time I go which is which used to be every other year um I never saw people like me speak the last time I went I think was 2018 and I saw Lenny Henry speak but he's not an HR right um and there were lots of different rooms lots of different segments lots of different sessions but I did not see people like me leading conversations um, and that's something that I really think 
CIPD is, I guess, would look towards improving over time. But to your point, I, I fully agree with that. So Black women in HR fills that need. Yes. And then some. Yes, and um, talking about conference, and we might get to that. We're going well, to get I to think, it. We're going yeah. to get to it. Yes, and this year, the CIPD actually have David Lamy as one of their headline speakers. Mm -hmm. You were reflecting and saying that over the years, the CIPD haven't had a diverse panel, and I had the same thing over the mm -hmm. years. I haven't been to a CIPD conference, but this year I'm going to be speaking at the conference. So nice. a, yes, I am. That's a, that's an amazing opportunity. But over the years, I've been to CIPD um, events and, and networking and just bite-sized events. And I did realize it wasn't as diverse as it should be in terms of ethnicity. It was diverse as in gender, yeah. but not in race. Yeah. And, and even though it was diverse in race, it was a particular race from the ethnic minorities that was more dominant than the black race in the CIPD um, events. So this podcast is about black women in HR. So I'm not going to focus a lot, yes. a lot yeah. about CIPD. So hence why, um, so you did ask me a question, um, what is black women in HR? So black women in HR, we encourage the professional and personal growth of black and ethnic minorities in human resources. Mm -hmm. However, my initial focus is black women, right. because I'm a black woman, because that's the tribe I know. Yeah. However, over time, um, I'm going to expand to um, black male, I'm going to expand to other ethnic minorities so that we are all one. Yeah. So we have a mentorship scheme I'm just in a process of doing a matching process for cohort three and it's still an all-female mentorship scheme. The next mentorship scheme, the cohort four, will be a mixture of male, female and other again minorities. Nice. And, I, and I'm also also considering having a, um, a mixture of a, a, black, a male mentor or female or vice versa. So we definitely have that. We also collaborate with organizations by bringing black and ethnic minorities to them to um, um, job job advertisements, because yeah. um, as have um, as have grown, we have a mailing list, and our mailing list is now reaching up to five thousand and growing. So, nice. what I say to employers is, you can advertise on the 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 other job board, which is Read and Total Jobs, any other platforms you want. Right. But by advertising on black women in HR you're directly focusing, telling your, your, the community, you're telling the potential candidates that you recognize this platform and you recognize that you want to directly target ethnic minorities, which we bring to you. And so it's an addition and mm -hmm. it also um, helps with the candidate because it shows trust, it shows commitment, it shows diversity. Um, for example, if I see a, a job, maybe pre-Black pre, um, pre Lives Matter, let's say 2018, mm -hmm. for maybe um, uh, a very a law firm, uh, one of the top law firms, and I'm an HR person, and I've always desired to work mm -hmm. in HR, I wouldn't think I would have an opportunity because I think, right. oh, it's, I've never seen, I've not really seen a Black lawyer, yeah. or a Black barrister, or a Black person mm -hmm. on TV. So what... Um, what what chances do I have applying for this HR? Even though I tick all the boxes, yeah, I know I, I know I have so much to give. I have the transferable skills. I would definitely do, go over and beyond. 
So is that biased? But by these organizations advertising on a diverse job board like ours and other diverse job, but they're showing a further commitment. So we do that and an equal opportunity employer. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. we also have an online forum on our website. In that online forum, that's where you can, uh, so it's a private and confidential forum. You can post questions and start a topic. Then if when people subscribe to your, to your um, conversation, they get updates, people can contribute. We have that. Nice. And we've had masterclass from the beginning of the year. So I had a, Ooh. we went on a break in July, but mm -hmm. I'm picking up my masterclass for next because I needed time of course plan you're a busy life. woman you need to take a break sometimes my goodness. i know i'm gonna take a break in december december i'm not going to be i'm not going to be on social media um social media will, will function because i have my social media manager but i think i'm not gonna have any meetings i'm just gonna have a an amazing time in nigeria with my friends and family nice. so there's, much to, there's so much to black women hr so much to come yeah. One of my future projects is internship, and I'm thinking of launching that sometime in the, in 2022. So it's a work in progress. Yeah, it's a lot of hard work, but I also need the black community to really support the service, support yes. the platform. I need because even though I always say I am the face, I am working behind the scenes. I cannot do it by myself. Ooh, I know you cannot. I need everyone to come together to, I need people, I need um, HR professionals to volunteer their time to mentor. I need them to bring these jobs to ethnic minorities. So it's a collective effort. And I want yeah. people to know, anyone watching this, um, listening or watching this podcast, know that um, we're all in this together. Absolutely. I may be the face, I may be the founder, but I know I cannot do it myself. And Absolutely. I'm doing all this for the community, not for myself. Exactly. For the community. Absolutely. And you're doing an amazing job. Oh, thank and you. You're doing really, amazing as well. So yeah, oh, HR for HR. Thank you. But I, I fully support and I implore every person who's listening to this episode today watching this um on the replay on youtube please take some time to go check out black women in hr if you are running an organization if you're an hr professional looking to expand and prove that you are an equal opportunity employer intentionally and you're not just ticking a box you need to go talk to a day say right? Awesome. Now, I wish you all the best, but I know some great stuff is coming up before you take your break in December. You are going to be pulling off a conference in November. Tell us a little bit about that and also how can our audience grab some tickets and what can they expect? So for one, the conference is going to be conference for HR professionals. Mm -hmm. EDI professionals and black professionals so if you read the um, write-up or the contents of the conference and you feel if you believe it speaks to you if you want to network if you want to connect if you feel you learn from equality diversity and inclusion as a line manager if you want to learn more about EDI if you want to learn more about leadership if you want to learn more about what the future of work will look like this conference is for you but 
I want to tell you this conference is going to come from the black perspective. So what does leadership look like for me as a black person? Mm -hmm. What does leadership look like for me? Um, what does future of work look like for me yeah. as a woman or as a parent, mm -hmm. but from, an, from a black parent? Because sometimes we have a bigger family. We don't have as much support. We don't have extended, we don't have a community that could help us with childcare. So what does the future of work look like? for? What does, ED, what does equity look for me mm -hmm. as a a, a disabled, a black woman, um, a single parent, the intersectionality. So all that and many more. Yeah. Health and safety. We're also going to be diving into well-being. We're also going to be diving into what has happened in the last 12 months. What are the new skills you should have, mm -hmm. the new behaviors and a lot of knowledge. Yep. And I can proudly say that the speakers, including your very self, yeah, list. <laughs> Uh -huh. We have um, three chief ex female. We have the only two female chief execs in London who are black and they are black women. Yes. So we're going to be listening to them and talk about their journey to success, and especially um, listening to the challenges. What they did different. Yeah. How did they get? How did they reach their goal? What did they do? Did it, was it an easy, easy, easy journey, or did they have to? Did they have so many setbacks and obstacles? And how did they overcome that? Yeah. And so we're going to be listening. We're going to have, um, there's going to be another panel and case studies from someone from the NHS, from nice. the um, civil service, from the private sector, from the financial sector, talking about um, their journey, individual journey, and also what does, what changes and what impacts they have made within their own industry. And so um, that's the second. And we're going to hear from their very own Peter Cheese. Nice. Who is the CEO of CIP. So he's going to give, so he's, going, he's the only, a lot of people, I've had a few people query why Peter Cheese is speaking at the event because he's a white man. But I did say to people, he's, um, his attendance at the conference is pivotal because one, he's not just any white man. He's the CEO of the governing body of HR professional and people management. He's still, even though I'm black woman in HR, he is actually the CEO of the governing body, which yeah. I subscribe to. So his voice is important. And he attending and representing and becoming an ally and telling us what the CIPD are going to do now and in future to promote more inclusion. Mm -hmm. I think his attendance is very, very desirable. Mm -hmm. I'm very pivotal to yes. what we're all saying. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that that's a good choice to make in terms of holding him accountable and people being able to hear it from his mouth, what he intends to do to better support people of color um, in the membership. And so I looking, I'm looking forward to the entire conference uh, I'm looking forward to speaking. I'm looking forward to engaging. I'm looking forward to everything um, to support you as a Black woman in HR, in the UK, as a minority, trying to make this work. And, and I know you mentioned that there were some challenges that you have experienced. What has it been like? Because I think a lot of people just hear conference, but they don't think about or they don't hear 
what are the hardships that go into putting something like this together? What are some of the challenges um, that you've experienced? And then what are some of the, the joys that you've experienced as you put this together? Um, I'll start with the um, the challenges. The challenges was, I um, when I started thinking of the conference, I made a list of my, um, I made a guest list of my um, desired speakers Mm-hmm. And I went about approaching individuals. And for me, um, the challenge is I reached out to a few black women who I who have respected and followed their followed their journey um via social media, or if they were speaking at any event, I would make sure I sign up to it just to listen because they I I felt they mentored me from a distance. Yes. They mentored me through speaking, through engagement. The mentor in your head. And yes. I have a lot of them. <laughs> yes. And um, I did find it a little bit disappointing mm-hmm. that um, when I reached out to them, it was just to have a chat and engage. They just were not very receptive. Mm. And I didn't even say, I didn't even ask anything. I didn't it wasn't it wasn't an engagement to say I need you to do this for me I want this for me it was yeah. an engagement to introduce who I was and what I do and if they would be willing to just have a chat and to me that was it was disappointing to me because I felt when I am when I am in when I get to that position I definitely want to reach I want to reach back and help and pull people and yes. pull the ladder down, get people to where I am. Yeah. I want to share my experience. I want to tell people my journey. I want to, I'm not saying give it, give all this out for free. If your, if your service requires you to pay for, requires people to pay for your services, fine. I respect you because you've worked really hard to put yourself in that position. But at least when another black woman reaches out to you, um, just engage, first of all, engage, encourage them and find out what it is they want. And if it's not something you can engage with, then you respectfully decline. But for me, um, some people which I did reach out to, it, it just wouldn't respond to you. And I'll say when you work in HR, one of the good things about working in HR is you know how to construct your very, very kind yeah. and emails. And you, our emails are always very diplomatic, very, kind, very pleasant. Mm-hmm. So I, so, and it's also um, it's it's also affects the sender, the receiver, like myself, because yeah. you kind of think, what did I did I say anything wrong? Was I rude? Did I did I say hello? Did I say thank you? Did I ask for something? Yeah, I, you know. So um, I'm just encouraging all the black women out there that are in a position of influence, position of power, um, reach out. And I'm I'm not saying you have to do it for free. But definitely um, help, embrace, support, yeah. and carry us along because we want to. We want to be where you are. But what what Black Women in HR stands for is one of the things. One of my main goals is I don't want anyone to make the same mistake that I have made. I want people to learn from my experience and hopefully they skip that. So that's yeah. one challenge. Yeah. Okay. But the, the, however, the great news is everyone I had, everyone I have on the panel, it was such an easy ask. Mm-hmm. They were so willing to help, so willing to support. Some of them I've never even met. Some of yeah. them just an exchange of email. Mm-hmm. They were, they were like, they were just saying, "Oh, thank you for coming to me. 
I'll do anything to support you. Let me know how else you want my support. So, yeah. so it's the balance, but it's just part of the challenges of setting up a conference and mm-hmm. all the others are technical stuff in terms of getting the right venue, getting the right platform, getting yeah. the right price. Even when I was deciding my price, I had to do like a benchmark to because my my goal for this conference wasn't wasn't entirely about cost. Right. It was about accessibility, making sure everyone could access the conference. However, I do have some investments. Mm-hmm. I'm investing my own personal income into this conference. I need to be able to make that back. Yeah. So but I also made sure that the conference wasn't overpriced or wasn't underpriced because you also look at the value. Mm-hmm. If you when you attend a conference, what what value? If we think about if you monetize the value from all we, we I think we have 19 speakers. I'm waiting to confirm two more speakers. Right. The value you get from all the 20 speakers in total, it's Invaluable. you can't measure it's, you can't measure it. Yes, definitely. So tell us when is the conference going to be and where can we get tickets? So the conference is going to happen in the winter. The conference is going to be virtual and hybrid. So the 9th of November is virtual only. That's going to consist of masterclass and different types of masterclass. And the 10th of November is going to be hybrid. The hybrid means the agenda will be based in person and everyone virtual will stream live to what's happening in in person in the venue. So I want to make sure that if you still have, if you're in the UK, and you still have a little bit of anxiety about networking or being a crowded venue. You can you don't have any reason to miss the conference. Yeah. And we have, we've we've actually had a few people buy the tickets. One of our first our first sale of tickets came from America. Wow. And yes, it did. It did. I was really impressed. The only yeah. our first set of tickets came from um, the United States and they were really excited. So, and yeah. also having a virtual would allow anyone, wherever you are to access the conference. Awesome. I'm looking forward to this. I wish you all the very best. And I know that this is going to be a great success, but I wish Black women in HR every success and whatever I can do to support you, you know, all you have to do is ask. I'll be there. Thank you. You're welcome. So let me ask you this. What are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think that other HR professionals would benefit from? So I recently finished watching something called Amend. It's on Netflix. Okay. So it's a, um, so it's just, I'm not promoting Netflix here, by the way, because they haven't <laughs> subscribed to Black Money. <laughs> Who doesn't have a Netflix account? <laughs> Uh, okay so anyone that has a netflix account or anyone that could access it uh-huh. it's called a mentor it's a series of um it's a it's a five-part series that looks at the 14th amendment in the in america okay. and what that meant to me was by watching that series i learned so much about all the civil rights the suffragettes mm-hmm. the gay the the equality acts the um, resistance so it just it, it one just the 14th amendment which is a very short paragraph mm-hmm. over the years since the since abraham lincoln mm-hmm. um the policyholders they literally dissected just a paragraph and fought for every right yeah. fought for women in gender 
fought for the gay rights, fought for civil rights, fought for everything. And well, what that tells me is if you want to make a difference, you need to get involved in policy. Not necessarily have to be a lawyer, but you need right. to you need to get involved in decision making because that is where you can make a difference any anyhow. But yeah. there is there are lot um where I come from in Nigeria, I know we have laws, but we don't really follow follow it. But in the United Kingdom, we we have laws like the Equality Act, and it's something we have to abide by, and it's some it's a legislature that you have to follow. Yeah. So if you want to make a difference, just look at the law and read it and use the law to support every argument because the amen is a, is a, is a five-part series. It teaches you, I know it's not about the UK, but it just um, broadens your thought in terms of what can I do in my own country? Should I get involved in politics? Can I make a difference? Should I, get, should I work for an organization that um, influences policies? Or should I work for a law firm? Or yeah. should I be an activist so mm-hmm. that's really something really that really caught my attention it wasn't a drama or romance it was a lot of research and it's quite engaging yeah okay thank you for sharing that well, let me ask you the big question what is the biggest misconception in hr that people have that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here right now for me, a lot of my um, friends that don't work in HR think if one stay here, I work in HR, say, oh, I need a job. They just think I'm just, I work in an organization and all I do is hiring or firing. Right. So there's so much more to my role. And I don't think over, over the 15 years I've worked in HR, I don't think I've ever had a job that all I did was hiring or firing. Right. It was a lot of um, I, I happen to work, work as a generalist and in my current role, I'm more strategic. I get involved with the business. I look at the business. I look at what could change. I look at you want data. So for me, the biggest misconception um, from the people, I've, the people I know is my job is more than hiring and firing. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot of, there's a well-being, there's engagement. Um, there is, payroll there is there's there's so much more there's recession yeah there is um future planning and there's now the future of work because i say in the last 12 months the role of hr has changed has changed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely has and it's going to continue to evolve and become more dynamic um so more versatile more yes. and now i think now we're sitting at a table because we need to be part of the conversation mm-hmm. especially with future of work with hybrid working because today i saw you posted something on linkedin, on linkedin that says linkedin has approved that all the employee can work from anywhere oh, in the world yep anywhere and that's and and hr has to be a part of that right and how do we manage that going forward absolutely is that what people really want and listening to their voice and making sure that everybody's voice is heard and validated at the table. And that's what we're there for. Right. Um, yeah. Because working anywhere could be different time zone, different patterns. Yeah. We're speaking to someone in Tokyo. LinkedIn is an international organization. They have colleagues around the world. So if you're, if you're, if your actual contract is with a UK base, 
then you decide to go to Canada, for example, just to stay for a while, you, your stakeholders are still in the UK. How does that work? The line manager and HR needs to see how that will work. There'll mm-hmm. be different patterns. So, so definitely our, our role has definitely evolved. My role has evolved, yep. not in the last 12 months. I have, I've been having a lot of um, conversations that I'm not trained to have, but I have just picked up those new skills and the knowledge, I've done a lot of research and I'm supporting my stakeholders. Awesome, good for you. And I appreciate you sharing that misconception because I think a lot of people have that misconception that we're just there to hire and fire and not even so much that because we don't even, we, make a, we don't make any of those decisions when it comes to who to hire and who to fire, um, but we're just a part of the process. So thank you so much for sharing that. And with that, you have survived your time in the sound booth. Thank you so much. It's funny because I do this so much as Black women in HR. I get to interview a lot of um, thought leaders, a lot of beautiful women, a lot of people that have so much to share. And occasionally when I get to sit, when I'm being interviewed. was awesome it's a different experience because you don't have to come prepared you have to have your answers right you need to make sure whatever whatever i'm saying i'm hoping i'm educating someone someone anyone who watches this um, podcast on any of your platforms learn something and pick something valuable from everything i've said today they definitely will i want to thank you so much for joining me today Adessa. Well, thank you so much for having me it's been my pleasure you're welcome supporting you and um being here and hopefully i get to come on your linkedin live absolutely absolutely as we continue to plan and prepare you will be there (laughs) so thanks again thank you for joining us in the sound booth today i hope that you found this information from this episode useful you can find me on all social media platforms i am julie turney That's I-A-M, Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again in the next Sound Off.